day and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you've been inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. We have a new Prime Minister today, and uh, the Honourable Tony Abbott. And, uh, you know, we, we, I really want to pray for our leaders today. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a significant day every time that, that we transition into new leadership. And uh, no, matter, no matter who you voted for or what you believe, um, the Bible calls us to pray for our leaders and to honour them. And I think honour is an important thing for us to learn, not because, um, not because um, people necessarily deserve it or require it, but what it does is it prophesies wisdom and honour to that position. So when we speak honour of our leaders, then they understand that they need to be people of honour. See, when you, in the Bible, talk, we, we know that the, the prophetic is a key part of the church and there's, there's some key types of the prophetic. One of them is foretelling, telling the Bible, you know, when we prophesy things that are going to happen. And another one is foretelling. It's speaking things into existence. It's, it's when, you know, when God says to Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? You know, so he spoke life to the dry bones. And sometimes when we look at the political state of our nation, we see a potential dryness in that area. And God's called us to foretell, to speak life into this, to speak, to, be, to speak the moral voice into them who don't necessarily have it in their own lives. So when we pray, you know, when we lift them up, when we, when we treat them with honour, we don't call them Tony or Kev or whatever their name is. We call them the Honourable Prime Minister of Australia. And when we do that, we cause them to rise up into a new place. We cause them, we don't need to be mates with our leader. We need our leaders to stand for the moral stance of this nation and to stand for the economy, to stand for the people, to stand to, to hold up this great, amazing nation that we have. And he's called us to be that. He said that the, the government shall be upon his shoulders. And if the church is the body of Christ, then the government is on the shoulders of the church. So we need to lift up our leaders. So I want, I want to pray with you today. I want you to, um, to join with me because, you know, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And he's called us in Isaiah 58, restorers of the breach. So when we, when we think about our leaders, when we think about our nation, you know, he's called us to restore harmony between heaven and earth. And this is, this is deep in my heart and I, I would love for you to agree with me today. And it begins with this statement, I accept the responsibility of heaven. It begins with that statement. So, Father, why don't you join me? Father, we just lift up our leaders today, Father. Father, we lift up the Honourable Tony Abbott today and his family, Father. Lord, we thank you that, that they are now our leaders of this land and we ask that you would bring honour to their household, Father, that you would bring wisdom to their household, that you would bring moral insight to their household, Father, that you would bring economic foresight to their household, Father. And we lift up this Liberal National Government to you right now, Father, and we declare that in the name of Jesus that this nation would become a disciple 
Lord, you've called us to make disciples of nations, Father. So we lift up this leadership party, Father. We lift them up right now and we declare the moral judgment of Christ over them, Father. We declare the moral wisdom of Christ over them. We declare the economy of heaven to be resolved in the economies of earth, Father. So we declare that we accept the responsibility, Father. I am responsible, Lord. We are restorers of the breach, Father. Lord, the Spirit is upon us, Father, for such a time as this, Lord. And we declare hope and we declare prosperity and we declare provision and we declare wholeness over this nation, Father. Use us, Father, to influence our, our leaders. Use us to influence the, the leaders in our own area, Father. So we just thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father, for wisdom and for courage to do what is right, Lord, and not to do what is popular. Father, that they would know how to make generational decisions. So we thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You know, I've really been encouraged by the, um, the discussions around the church in the last few, few months about, um, about what we believe about our nation. And uh, it's encouraging to see the voice come back to the church and to, to, you know, to take part in, in, um, in our nation's influence. And uh, so it's, it's, a, um, it's a good thing. You know, uh, sad week this week, we lost uh, Pastor Rod and... Um, Chris and I had the privilege of, of being at his, uh, at his burial on Thursday with his family. And um, what, a, what a mighty man of God. And I uh, really encourage you to come on um, Friday at 1 p.m. here for a memorial service where we can honour this life. And uh, as we were, you know, as we were um, uh, throwing uh, sand and, um, and um, petals in, in on top of him as we buried him, I really felt it was significant that, you know, that we are, we are standing upon his shoulders. You know, as I felt like we, you know, you can actually walk into that cemetery over his grave. And, and it's a, it was a real it was a revelation of God that we stand on the shoulders of the previous generation. So I really felt this call for us to understand that we are preparing ourselves to be the shoulders of the next generation. So I really felt to make a commitment at that, at, at that graveside there to say, Lord... No matter what, um, what mistakes this man's made, no matter what great things he has made, I declare that I want to be a, a platform for the generation to come. And, and, um, so I encourage you to come and honour this great man this week. Also, um, Paul and Karen Hinton um, this week lost their, one of their grandchildren who was born Premier. And, and um, so we just want to lift them up in our prayers today and we just want to pray a blessing over you guys as you as you grieve and for your and for your son Karen so um so um why don't you give them a hug after church and just just give them a blessing as well you know this morning I want to talk about resolve it's interesting that Paul prophesied this morning that we're all called and the key part of being called is to resolve in your heart to do what you've been called to do Resolve is to decide firmly on a course of action and it's one of the greatest keys of the kingdom. It's one of the greatest tools of the kingdom is to resolve, to determine in your mind to do something or to be, be something. 1 Corinthians 9 says this in verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. 
And everyone who competes for the prize is self-controlled in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, when I run, it is never with uncertainty. When I fight, never as one who just beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You know, he's called us to have a resolve, to have a focus, to, to know where we're headed and to have a resilience in that. Um, I do a little bit of cycling and, um, and I've, uh, I've joined an organisation called Sufferfest. And uh, it's quite interesting. And uh, it's, their motto is, I beat myself today so that I can beat you tomorrow. <laughs> and um, they've got these people, in, in, it's called uh, Sufferlandria. That's where you come from, that's the, in the Sufferfest. And uh, I am a knight of Sufferlandria. And this is, this is part of our creed. It says this, there are those who know how to suffer and there are those who do not know how to suffer. There are those who look pain in the face and laugh. And there are those who can't look pain in the face because pain is too scared to look up from the pounding it's getting. <laughs> These are the nights of Sufferlandria. You know, sometimes we were talking to the men this week on, at our prayer breakfast about um, the three, storm, three different types of storms in life. You know, sometimes there's the storm that the enemy brings. And then there's the storm that um, a lack of wisdom or a bad decision brings. And then there's the storm that God brings. And sometimes, you know, we give the same prayer for each of the storms that are in our lives. Lord, get me out of this storm. And sometimes, you know, God allows us to walk through some of these storms to enlarge us. So that the resolve in our heart can be strengthened so that we can become unstoppable. So, you know, and sometimes we step in, sometimes we create storms for ourselves. I think of two key guys in the Bible. Joseph, you know, he had a dream. God gave him a dream and then God inflicted the storm on Joseph. And then you've got guys like Daniel who resolved, who purposed in his heart to live a different way, to discipline himself. He brought the storm on himself. See, see God's, even Jesus, it says in... Um, Hebrews 5.8, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. See, one of the hardest people, people that I find to come into obedience is myself. When I say, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow, do I get up and do it tomorrow? When you set your alarm in the morning, do you get up or do you press the snooze button? I don't know who invented the snooze button, but he was a bad man because he gave us options to get out of what we said we were going to do. See, God wants us to be people of resolve. He wants us to set our alarm when we're feeling good, not when we're feeling tired. So that when we're tired in the morning and the alarm goes off, we get up. What I want you to do when you get home is get the snooze button and just rip it out of your alarm. And join me as a knight of Sufferlandria. See, it's in, our, it's in our suffering that we discover our resolve and learn to obey God's voice over man's voice. And I um, met a, a great man in the church by the name of Dave Peel, who's in his 60-something. And uh, he's just started a degree. And he's in some suffering. You know, and do you know what? I honour this man because he's chosen 
to follow the call. He's had a, he's had a, a, a resolve in his heart to become a writer in his life. And he writes beautifully and he said, you know what, I'm going to discipline myself today so that I can become a greater writer tomorrow and I can inspire a generation with my words tomorrow. So I honour you today, Dave. Now, sometimes we need to choose to dive into something. We, choose to, we need to choose to discipline ourselves today so that we can defeat the lies of the enemy tomorrow. Resolve is a covenant with yourself. Job says, I made a covenant with my own eyes. See, the enemy wants to, he wants to rob you of your resolve because that's when we're weakest. He doesn't worry. He's not so much worried about your dream or what you want to do. He's more interested in robbing you of your resolve. Because when you robbed you of your resolve, then you can't do nothing. You can't do anything. Paul says, I resolve to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The question for you is, what do you resolve to do? What do you resolve to do with your family, with your spiritual life, with your body, with your mind, with, your, with the community? What dreams are on your heart? Did you love it last week when we had the African Children's Choir and they all told us what was on their heart? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a minister. I want to be the prime minister. You know, what was on their hearts, God wants to know what's on your heart because he wants to partner with you and he's given you a free will to do whatever you want in life. And he wants to enlarge you in that. He wants you to be people of resolve. You know, about um, 600 years before Christ, uh, the Israelites started to build, rebuild the Temple of Jerusalem after it had been demolished by the uh, Babylonians. And they had some opposition in that. And um, the people didn't, didn't try to stop them working. They didn't fight them with um, weapons. They fought them with words. And in Ezra 4.4, it says this, talking about the people who, who were um, trying to stop them. These people, verse 4, started beating down the morale of the people of Judah, harassing them as they built. They even hired propagandists or media to sap their resolve. And they kept this up for about 15 years. 15 years. And it worked. They stopped building. See, it's your resolve that the enemy wants. He wants to rob you of your determination. See, we make choices in life based on passion and talent and wisdom and, and, um, and, our, and the desires of our hearts, the relationships, revelation, love. There's so many things that we make decisions out of. We choose careers, marriage partners. We choose to follow God or not to help build our community, to learn new skills. We do all these things and we resolve to do them. We resolve to do them. We make covenant with our own heart, with our own eyes to do something, to stand for something. And it's in those choices that we're following God. And it's in that space that God begins the shaping process. He's always shaping us. He's always preparing us to stand I love, the, I love it when he talks about the armour of God in Ephesians. He says, having done all, once you've done everything that you think you can do, once you've put on everything, continue to stand. Having done all, stand. He's saying you need to resolve in your heart to continue on the pathway that you've been called to. Because he wants people who can run the race. He wants people who can win the race. 
he can, who can run the full race, a people of resilience and resolve. Paul says, I endure all things for the sake of God's people, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. See, what your resolve does, when you, resolve, when you endure all things, when you resolve to continue no matter what, you're actually setting free the people of God around you. Sometimes we think it's about us, but he's called us to, to endure all things so that we can set free those around us. As we endure the challenges of today, we set free the generation tomorrow. There's one time when Jesus was walking along um, the road and someone came running before him and said, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not steal, honour your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Notice what Jesus does. See, each of us has something that will hinder our pursuit of God. Each of us has something in our lives that can hinder our resolve or our pursuit of God. And what Christ does is he highlights it in our lives so that we can deal with it. See, his goal is to have perfect relationship with you. So he sometimes taps you on the shoulder and says, this, is, this little thing is blocking some perfect relationship with me. How about dealing with it? He gives us the opportunity. He gives us the opportunity to deal with those things that block our resolve, that block our pursuit of him. And he wants you to be 100% in his will, in relationship with him. And it's different for each of us. For that guy, it was, um, it was his money. You know, my, my question for you today, what is your security blanket? What is your security blanket? Where do you go? What's blocking your resolve? Another guy, a scribe, came to Jesus and he says, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus' response to him was this, Foxes have holes and birds have, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. See, God wants to help you strengthen your resolve. Jesus says, I've been anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I've been anointed to heal the brokenhearted. And it's in the area of our brokenness. It's in our insecurities that our resolve is challenged most easily. And he wants to deal with our insecurities. And our insecurities, surprisingly, are what we have our security in. See, he wants us to have our security in him. So he taps us on the shoulder and says, look, you need to let that go so that your security can be 100% in me. Jesus saw the heart of the scribe and he knew that he would be anxious about where they would sleep every night when he was on mission with him. He knew the anxieties of his heart and he says, it's time to let go of your anxiety and follow me. He gives us the option to lay down what we're afraid of so that we can take up the authority of him. God wants us to lay aside everything that blocks us from living life with endurance. So the question for you today is, is what's blocking your resolve? Is it what people think? Is it the thought of giving up something that you have? Is it a tradition? Is it personal safety? Do you walk around with um, alcohol um, wipes in your bag so you can wash, wipe your hands? 
every five minutes? What is it? Is it a previous bad experience that you don't want to repeat again? You know, six weeks ago, I uh, broke my arm riding my motorbike on a motocross track. And um, I'm so thankful that I didn't break it falling over in the shower. And uh, it's a lot more interesting to tell people. But, you know, but I have to resolve in my heart to get back on now. I have to actually go out and get back on the bike. And um, one of my friends this week um, sent me a delightful picture of the skinniest man you've ever seen riding a motorbike saying that um, that's now what I look like now that my cast has come off. And um, you know what? God has called us to rise above these things. So the question for you is what do you need to lay down so that you can run the race with endurance, so that you can live the life that's before you? Because what happens when we lose our resolve, when we lose our, the determination that is in our hearts, what we do is we deny Christ. We reject Christ. That's what we do when we lose our resolve, when we lose our, the determination in our heart. You know, it, it amazes me how many of the same people who encountered Jesus on earth, who saw his miracles, they were the same people who were yelling out, crucify him at the end. Phenomenal, isn't it? You know, it's, it's inconceivable to me that people continually reject Jesus, the Son of God, the Saviour of the world. We continually do it. His teaching, his life, his death, everything about him, his resurrection, it all spoke loudly and clearly of the reality that he is the Saviour of the world. He is the Son of God. Yet we still reject him. We, they still cried out at the crucifixion, we don't want this guy to lead us. Everything about him is astounding. Everything about him is humanly inexplicable. Everything about him is, is eternal. Everything about him is supernatural, superhuman. Everything about him is truth. Everything about him is pure. And they all saw it, yet they still crucified him. Even Peter, who walked with him for three and a half years, denied him in the end. How can you be exposed to such a convincing life and then walk away? How can we be exposed to such an amazing life, such an amazing word, such an amazing spirit, such an amazing truth and then walk away? You see, it's as we um, encounter Jesus' goodness that we're confronted with the areas of our lives that need to be addressed so that we can experience more of his goodness. As we experience his goodness, we're confronted in our own lives so that we can get free. It says in Corinthians that as we gaze upon him like a mirror, he transforms us from glory to glory. And we go from glory to glory as we become less attached to earth and more attached to him. So every time we look at him, something in our life is revealed that we can shed. We can shed the layers of our own own lives and take on the righteousness of Christ. He wants to transform you from glory to glory and it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you letting go of your fears, letting go of your inhibitions and resolving to hunger and thirst after righteousness and to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because all those things that you're afraid of, all those insecurities that your security is really in, he is going to take care of those things. But what it takes is for you to step first and to meet him. See, when we're challenged, this is where we choose to embrace the challenge or to deny Christ. It's a scary statement. 
It's what, it's what is being revealed in us that is blocking God's power flowing through us. See, he reveals things that are in us that are blocking his power flowing through us, his love flowing through us. And he wants us to be delivering truth and delivering words and to be inspiring our community and to be reaching the lost and to be, to be people who stand and do mighty things in Jesus' name. But things block us. We have fears, we have anxieties, we have, we have um, different inhibitions that stop us. And God's tapping you on the shoulder and he's saying, it's time to let them go. It's time to run the race in a way that you can win. It's time to discipline yourself today so you can defeat the fear and the lies of the enemy tomorrow. So the challenge. What in your life have you resolved to do? What covenants have you made with yourself? What decisions have, what things, determinations have you made in your own heart? Or have you resolved anything? Do you need to resolve to do something? Do you need to determine in your heart to head in a clear direction? See, God has given you desires and passions. He's given you a free will. He's given you insight and gifts and talents. And he wants you to, to stir those things up and head in the direction of them. He wants you to know, like Paul said this morning, that you are called. You are called. And you know who you're called to be? You're called to be you. You're called to be the very best version of yourself. You're called to lay down all those things. He gives you permission to boldly enter his throne of grace. He gives you permission to throw off the sins of yesterday and walk as if you're white as snow, pure in his righteousness tomorrow. This is the beauty of grace. See, grace... Grace is not freedom to do anything. Freedom, grace is freedom to do everything that's on your heart. See, what blocks your heart from becoming all it can be is when you, when you fear what you've done in the past, when you fear what someone else could do to you, when you have anxiety about what may or may not happen. See, God has said you are free in Jesus' name. One, you're free from sin. And two, you're free for life. And he's asking you today, what is the life that you want to live? Where are you headed? Will you resolve to do it? Because if you resolve to do it, I will be there with you. Let me, let me tell you what I know about you and I. We all have a spirit. This is our communication link to God. Romans 8 says, His spirit testifies to your spirit that you are the sons and daughters of him. You have a soul. You have a free will free thinking, emotions, all these things. You have a soul, you have a mind, you have a will and you have emotions. And you have a body, which is always in various stages of growth or decline, expansion or contraction, exhilaration or pain. You know, we're, we're always in these places. And we are a people. We are a community. We're in relationship. So you resolve, what you resolve in your heart what you resolve in your life needs to cover your complete being. See, he says, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So he covers spirit, soul, and body. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So he says, I want you to resolve with the, all of your being in the context of your community to do something and be something. Because sometimes we resolve to do something with our bodies or we resolve to do something with our mind or resolve to do something with our spirit or we resolve to do something in our community. But he's saying... I've called you to be in all of these spaces at the same time. And when you're in all of those spaces, you seek. You seek the wisdom of the Word of God. You seek the leading of the Spirit. You seek the, the um, counsel of the people around you. 
and you humble yourself before Almighty God. And when you do these things, your resolve strengthens. When you do these things, the, the, the lies and the accusations of the enemy fall away. The storms become, um, become understandable. Like Jesus says, because of the hope that was on the other side of the cross, he could endure the cross. See, God wants you to know that it's important that you resolve to do something so that you can endure the growth phase as you head towards that thing. He wants us to enhance our life with meticulous care. Your spirit, your mind, your health, your relationships, your community, they're all waiting for you to resolve to do something with them. Resolve to dream to plan, to grow, to take some risks. And then he wants you to celebrate. God's called us to be a people of celebration. Not that we won the prize, not that we got the girl, not that we did the event, not that we made the money, not that for tradition's sake, but that we did what we said we were going to do. See, God has called us to be people of resolve. And when we're people of resolve, we do what we say we're going to do. That we ran the race with endurance. That we laid down what we needed to lay down so that we could do what we said we were going to do. And what does this create? This creates character. This is character. And do you know what character is always the foundation of? Character is the foundation of revival. See, we're a people now who, who tend to look and to see where revival's happening and we head there. And I believe we've got it wrong. I believe God's, he's, he's in heaven looking down for a safe place to bring revival to. He's saying, where are a people of character that I can bring my power and authority to who will carry it with wisdom, who will carry it into the next generation, who won't be selfish about it, who will take my promises, who will agree with them and who will declare them to their community and will do exactly what they've declared to do. This is who God has called us to be. He is waiting and watching and looking for a place where he can release more of his peace, more of his hope, more of his authority, more of his healing, more of his power. And he's looking for a people who can carry it with character and with integrity. I'll give you a clue. Begin every day with a plan. Begin every day with a plan. And then every night, Celebrate that you did what you said you were going to do. You know, um, 50 years ago, in the last couple of weeks, we, um, we had the anniversary of um, Dr. Martin Luther King's speech and, and on Capitol Hill in, in Washington, D.C. And uh, 50 years ago, he, you know, he said those amazing words. You know, he said, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. See, 50 years later, after he said that, at the anniversary, he was trying to set the African-Americans free. 50 years later, the President of the United States was an African-American. You know, who stood, what a phenomenal picture it was. You know, in the exact same spot, there's a tile on the ground there, they say, that, that is engraved, and, and President Obama stood in the same spot. 
that Dr. King stood 50 years earlier and gave an address and honoured him. You know, when, when, um, when Dr. King gave that speech, he couldn't celebrate it coming into fruition. And by no means, obviously, are we there in equality of, of race in, in, this, in this world. But he, never, he didn't get to see the fruition of what he did, of what he said, of what he stood for. His life was taken only three or four years after that. But he did what he resolved to do in his heart. He resolved to make a stand so that there could be freedom for his people. He, he resolved to make a stand so that in the years to come, all people would be seen as equal. What was in the... What was in the um, in the statements of, um, of, their, of, of, the, of the United States, what was in the, in the statements of their creeds would come into fruition. And they're still heading towards that now. But what an amazing privilege, what an amazing thing to celebrate that you did what you said you were going to do. See, sometimes we're always looking for the win. And when we don't win, we not only don't celebrate, we commiserate. And God has said, look, scale, growth, the win is up to me. He's saying the race is up to you. You need to resolve in your heart. You know, Paul says, Paul, Paul planted, Apollos watered, and who made the increase? God made to increase. We need to be celebrating that we're planting seeds and watering them. This is what he's called us to do. Don't worry. You know, don't worry about the increase because the increase may not even come in your generation. I know when Kristen and I took on this church, you know, it was, there was a clear call of God to say, will you, still, will you still follow me and follow the call that I've put on your life even if you don't see the fruit in your generation? You know, it's a question that we all have to answer when it comes to what we resolve to do because he wants us to have our hope in things that are eternal. And when our hope is in things that are eternal, we have to have different things to celebrate. And we celebrate not that, that we won the race, we celebrate that we did what we said we were going to do, that we live with resolve, that we live with discipline so that we gave the next generation some shoulders to stand on. Because Dr. King, because Dr. King said those things all those years ago, generations upon generations have had the opportunity to stand on his shoulders and make sure that one day there could be a black president in the US. What a phenomenal thing. You know, because a guy by the name of Pastor Rod Tyrrell, you know, in 1974 planted a Pentecostal church in his community, I now get to stand on this platform. See, we don't know. We don't know what we're preparing the next generation for. All we know is that we live with resolve to head in this direction. And God's saying that you are called, like Paul said today. You are called. You are called to follow the dreams. You're called to follow the desires of your heart. You're called to live in the stir up the gifts that are in your life. But there's another call. And the call is to lay down fear, to lay down anxiety, to lay down the lies of the enemy, to lay down the mistakes of your own past, to lay down the mistakes of the people around you, and to just pick up that dream and just head for it. We need to head in the direction of what we resolve to do. And as we do that, we will see communities change. As we do that, we will see governments change. We will see our nation change. And when we understand that we, the body of Christ, shoulder the nation because we carry the truth. We're led by the Spirit. And we do all things in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's where our authority lies. 
Our authority doesn't lie in our wisdom. It doesn't lie in our resolve. But we get to have wisdom and resolve because of the authority that we walk in. We get to be boldly walk up to anybody and declare hope. We, we, just, we, we can foretell what's in their future and we can foretell. We can speak life where there is no life. You know, we no longer fear sin. We no longer fear the, the mistakes of our past. We speak life into the future. And this is what God's called you to do. You know, I started at the, um, the beginning by mentioning the story of Israel uh, rebuilding the temple. And um, all the naysayers robbed them of their resolve. And then something happened. A couple of prophets piped up. And they spoke life back into the people. They prophesied life. Do you know what they did though? They didn't tell them a new story. They didn't tell them, they didn't give them um, a new challenge to do. They didn't give them a new dream. They didn't give them new tools. They just restored to them the challenge that God had already laid upon them. They spoke life where the enemy had robbed life. They reminded them of the call that was on their lives. They reminded them that they are people of resolve, that they are the people of the Lord and they were called to shoulder this challenge. They were called to rebuild the temple of God. They were called to go and make a stand in Jesus' name. They reconnected the people with their original mandate. They were repairers of the breach. They restored their resolve. Why doesn't the band jump up? You know, I'd, I'd love to pray with you today. And, um, and speak, speak to your heart. You know, the prophet, um, the prophet Samuel, when he was about to anoint king, uh, Saul as king, he said, Saul, why don't you come over and have dinner with me and I will tell you what's on your own heart. See, sometimes the challenges of life and, and relationships and the communities and the, the business and life that we live in can blind us to what's on our own heart. And he wants to restore that. You know, he's called us repairers of the breach. He's called us to stand in the gap between each other and to, to, to intercede what's in each other's hearts. So why don't you stand with me today? You know, if you, if you, if you've allowed something or someone to rob you of your resolve, I want to pray a prayer of blessing and a reminder to your own heart today of who you are. So if that's you, why don't you put your hand on your heart?